Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to The Angel Connection, a weekly show about all things angelic with your host, international healer and author, C.J. Martins. Good evening, my angel friends. This is C.J. Martis, and you're listening to The Angel Connection on Friday, May 31st. 2013. I hope everyone had a wonderful and amazing week. I know that the energies actually for me were quite a bit more balanced. It's been pretty intense over the last couple months for people, so hopefully things uh, reached at least a balance point this week. But if not, let's relax this evening together and enjoy the show and just let yourself be for this next hour. Tonight's topic, I don't even have a guest tonight, guys. It's a fascinating one um, that I know a lot of people have been wanting me to talk about for a while. And so I'm excited to be sharing uh, much of this information for the first time about the incarnate angels. Um, The Seraphim and I have been working on this uh, uh, show, actually, all week. And so there's a couple changes to the format of tonight's show. Generally, I will uh, share an inspiring story um, and, of course, an angel message from the seraphim. Well, because of the details that needed to be poured into this show and also hoping that I can get it all in in the next hour, um, the seraphim of promise next week, a new message even though I'm doing a rebroadcast show, so you can find that on Facebook, and it will go out on my newsletter as usual. But they wanted to make sure that we would have some time. If this is also a couple of announcements, though, before I dive into the topic, I will be taking callers this evening. I just ask that you uh, not be calling for readings tonight just so I can answer specific questions about the incarnate angels. I know an obvious question you might want to ask me is, am I an incarnate? Seraphim told me not to answer that question because everyone on their path, regardless of human angel, uh, incarnate, you know, it's it's wonderful to arrive at, at your truth um, on your own. So, uh, But if you have specific questions, you can call one eight seven seven. Two nine six zero three four five, and also if you're on my newsletter list, be watching for some uh, very important announcements. There are a couple of different things that I have in the works. One is with a good friend of mine named Sarah Vine, and uh, she and I are working on some specific uh, like teleseminars for incarnates. Um, that are going to be helpful as far as healing, navigating, um, understanding, and all of those things. So those will be coming up very soon. And also starting in June, the same uh, wonderful lady, Lisa Dory, who sponsored the Angel Telesummit that many of you may have been listening to, um, we're going to begin doing these very uh, new uh, uh, seminar. I hate to call it a seminar, but the, these calls, these sessions, that will allow you to um, call in to these to receive different types of healing and what the seraphim are calling seraphim transmissions. So there'll be new information coming out about those calls as well. So if you're not on my newsletter list, you can go to angelincarnate.com or cjmartis.com. Get on those lists so that you're apprised of the things that are going on. So 
here we are going to talk about my favorite subject, the incarnates. You know, some people may call these uh, the earth angels. Um, I call them the incarnates, and, and, and it's interesting because the seraphim were very specific about uh, talking about, you know, the incarnates. And so I decided, well, jointly decided with the seraphim, that I wanted to begin tonight's uh, show with an excerpt of the prologue from my new novel, Angel Incarnate One Birth. I know many of you have been emailing and and enjoying the book, so I'm so happy that you are. But I thought it was definitely appropriate for our discussion this evening about incarnate angels. So here's the excerpt. After centuries of fighting each other, themselves, and even at times supernatural forces, the entire human race was in great peril, Not since before the time that the Christ had one walked in human form had the balance between light and dark grown unstable as it was now. At that time, the Christ had one sacrificed everything to restore balance again. The Lamb then opened the heavens to every soul that had been created by the Infinite One. The modern world of humans would not be a place to repeat a history that had really become so revised that less and less of the real truth existed in those who had chronicled and recorded all the historical events in time. The Infinite One, for the first time, connected to the Akasha, instantaneously accessing every possible path for human beings, and all these truths were observed and understood well. Within the Infinite Consciousness now emerged the greatest hope for all living beings that existed in the created world. It was a single thought, not nearly as loud as a whisper, This whisper now reverberated from a distant future, and this distant future was during a phase that would later be called the Great Shift or Change. New, undistorted consciousness about the truth of life will be known again, and it shall lift the veils of suffering that have obscured the truth from everyone. The single thought or idea to ensure the salvation of the world didn't originate on earth as might be expected, but instead came from the heart of the Angelus where a warrior seraph had witnessed all future truths as well. This idea became so much more than a mere human thought. It was a profound creation that had unintentionally birthed from deep inside the sacred burning heart of a warrior seraph of the Angelus. Quote, I must enter the human world to successfully deliver the message of the one. So we're in such a unique time in our history, guys, where... Angels are and have been entering the world in human form. And I'm so happy to speak about this subject for the first time. And I thought uh, a good place to really begin to discuss is just a little bit of history about the angels on this planet Um, and and a previous situation about, you know, angels, because some people, you know, might say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, uh, Bible says, hey, uh, angels aren't, you know, allowed to be in human form. And I guess the way that I would reply to that is that, well, God can do anything, right? So historically speaking, you know, angels have always been permitted to appear in a human form to enact the will of God and to deliver messages. In our recorded history, really, the only angels that were recorded, whoever came down to earth in in a semi-human type of form, were the fallen angels, which we've heard a lot about. And it really became a big mess on earth for everybody. Some of them took human partners and had children that were called the Nephilim. 
I don't know, you know, if you believe the story or not, but they were reported to be uh, giants. So when I discuss this topic, I know some will say, as I said, angels cannot be human. And I agree with them that historically that has been true. But now in this new era that we are in humanity, that fact has definitely changed. So I want to talk, first of all, about God's new plan. Um, There was a time, of course, and not so ancient of our history, when the Creator saw the state of humanity in turmoil. And this cycle we are in right now of spiritual shift. God wished to intercede on behalf of humankind in a powerful way, also wanting us to know that our prayers were being answered. So in order to aid all of us, the decision was made to allow angels to take human bodies in order to be on the ground physically for the upcoming transformation of the world which is not just about raising consciousness, but it's about restoring the balance between the light and the dark. Angels of nearly every class have volunteered for this important mission on Earth. Those that didn't wish to come down remain, of course, in etheric form to serve their purpose as they always have. And there were a couple classes, though, because of their purpose, were not allowed to incarnate because they could work much more efficiently in etheric form. And those exceptions I will cover later in this show. So I want to talk about this great shift, which is the perfect time for God to send incarnates down. And we've talked about the shift a lot on this show. But over the past 100 or so years, humanity has been shifting toward an elevated level of consciousness, which has greatly changed the energy frequencies of the world that we live in. It is this shift in many ways, that allowed angels to be compatible with human bodies. And it's this change in the vibrational signatures of these amazing human bodies or vessels that has granted what the seraphim call new compatibility. It's interesting, the terms that they use. So for the past 75 years, give or take, angels have been born successfully on this planet into human vessels for the first time in our history more notably since the 1987 and the harmonic convergence, great waves of divine energy, the waves of love have been transmitted to earth, preparing us for this great shift beyond the completion of the 2012 cycle. In fact, humans and incarnates alike have been awakening like never before and realizing the power within them. For me personally, it's been a powerful uh, process to watch over the past couple decades, last 20 years in particular because we've seen the the birth of the New Age consciousness, which was actually merely a stepping stone toward a different era that we're moving toward now of what I call full divine consciousness. And many of you have already been and are experiencing this great shift is, you know, time speeding up, a deep questioning of who you are and what life is about, and the inability to function in old ways of living, that created suffering. So, like it or not, sometimes as things get bumpy for us energetically, we're all now, in this year, 2013, knee-deep in a powerful new cycle of awakening that commenced after the solstice of last year. And I know, uh, I've talked to a lot of people, they feel like we've been on an express train since January, and we kind of have been uh, energetically, especially with what I know about the angels who aren't in human form and what they've been able to bring into the planet energetically. So there's this huge, huge uh, fluctuation of, of positive 
energies. And this is causing a lot of changes in our world. But this is a special time in human history at both the level of consciousness and at the energetic quantum level. You guys know I'm a geek for uh, quantum physics. Our world consciousness is rising into higher and higher frequencies of what the angels, and you'll hear others beginning to term the heart-mind. And the heart-mind is when your entire consciousness leads from your heart instead of your thinking, thinking mind. In fact, if you look it up under heart math, scientists have now proven that our hearts actually have neurological tissue like our brains. So we literally have a heart-mind, which is very cool. So... I had been working with the seraphim this week, um, wanting to sort of be able to break down. I've done another show that talked about the different uh, classes or races of angels. And so I wanted to talk about what angel, I call them the ground forces now, are on, on the earth and what their primary missions or focuses are. People who may think, you know, or believe that they are an incarnate, this would be very uh, perhaps helpful. I know that we, uh, as our human selves, like to um, understand more about um, our processes. So, And I was kind of kidding, but not really. <laughs> Today, I asked the seraphim how many angels were on the ground. And very much in the seraphim fashion, they didn't immediately answer that question. But they answered first by saying that in the beginning, the numbers of incarnates rose very slowly Actually, during the first 70 years of the 75 years they've been being born. But that as more and more incarnates and human beings become awakened uh, and have been so in the last 15 years on this planet, um, but specifically, even more importantly, as we headed toward 2012 within the last five years, that there's a much bigger percentage of angels being born right now. In fact, they said that Uh, It's four times more likely now that any of you listeners out there who have a new baby yourself or a new baby that's been born in the family between the ages of all the way from birth to around four years old, it is four times more likely that they are angels incarnate. And I have to say, this bit of information made perfect sense to me. Because lately, I don't know if you've noticed, but many new babies seem so wise or full of light lately. So you have to email me or let me know if you if you have noticed this. And so as a parent myself, I have four wonderful children. As a parent myself, um, you know, you've heard about the indigo children and um, the crystal children and then the next wave, which were the rainbow children. And so uh, what the seraphims say is that this new wave of children are the angelic ones. So I thought that was so interesting. And so it's almost like in mass, lots of babies that are angels, which is very cool. So finally, toward the end of answering my question, and and they know I, uh, they're very funny actually to work with, uh, and I've been you know communicating with them for quite a few years now. Um, But they wanted me to let the listeners know that there are more than one million angels incarnate on this planet. And they didn't really like to give a number, but I do appreciate them doing that um, for uh, the purposes of this show. Okay, so who's incarnating, how many, and, and, and what's their mission? Okay, so 
the first I'm going to talk about then are the primary or essential angels. These are the angelic beings most closely working with humans historically. And so they, they act as those intermediaries between God and, and human beings. And these are what we often call and have called our guardian angels. Since the angelus uh, primary have performed their functions so close to the human spectrum of frequency, it was the easiest transition for these important members of the angelic realm. Um, and actually, the seraphim call the angelic realm the angelus, which I really like that. And so to make a conversion into a human vessel for them, their frequencies uh, were more matching, if that makes sense. So of the total percentage of angels on the ground, 80% of that one million figure, which they say is just growing exponentially all the time, so that would mean they're out, of, out of that million there would be 800,000 uh, primaries. And, and the way they explained it to me again was that because they have worked in this 3D world, worked with humans so much, that it was a much easier transition for those. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that uh, transition. Uh, that's what causes a lot of the issues for incarnates that I'm wanting to do a lot more teaching and a lot more than what could be covered in this show. So the primary ground mission of the primary or essentials is to heal and trans transform and empower. So many are holistic doctors, chiropractors, energy healers, intuitives, other types of uh, practitioners. And so they feel a strong call, of course, to service as they awaken. And, and so the mission is to guide people back always to the truth of who they are. So we love them, we seek them out all the time, and there are many, many, many of them uh, with us. The next uh, class of race is, is the archangels. And so the archangels do not incarnate, and the reason for this uh, is because they hold the energy between the angels in heaven and those on the ground. So you can almost see them for, uh, or visualize them forming this this circle, and and so everything sort of runs through them. So pretty important, right? Um, and so the archangels remain as archangels. Um, and so the next race is principalities, and they watch over you know uh, the world directly. They are protectors of the earth's nations, cities, towns. Um, they're responsible for carrying out divine acts uh, concerning whatever jurisdiction that they're given. That's like a human term. And finally, uh, they are given to the task of, of managing the duties of angels, which would be more of an etheric um, component of what they do. They do incarnate. Uh, the total percentage of of the principalities or principles um, is 10%. So the million figure, you know, uh, 100,000 of them would be um, of this particular uh, class. Their primary ground mission is to work within the world's infrastructure and make changes from within. They are inspi the inspirers of new ways of approaching problems and often birth new paradigms. The world does not change them. They change the world while protecting God's plan. So these are the movers and the shakers, the people that approach, you know, that can be very successful in business and all of this, um, from what I was uh, shared with, um, 
but they're going to go into those traditional infrastructures, and their mission is to, to bring new light into those areas, of course, that most need it. And so that's that's their function. Now, as we continue to talk about each uh, class or race of, of angel, uh, you'll notice that the numbers uh, that are on the ground are, are l- lower and lower, and that is because of the frequencies, because all the, the classes of angels all the way from the primaries up have higher and higher frequencies um, in their makeup. And so the more high the frequency, the less... Um, compatibility, right? So you're going to have fewer and fewer of those uh, making it in and making it to their mission because of that. The next uh, class are the powers, and their job is really to keep the universe in balance, the balance between the light and the dark um, that is governed universally rather than what we consider to be sort of the light and dark in our world. Um, And so they hold such a unique uh, connection uh, to all universal realms that they're really needed there. So, similar to the archangels. We don't want, they don't need to come down um, on, on the planet and so forth. So, um, so they do not incarnate. The virtues, which is the next class, these are the angels of grace who bring God's blessings to earth, usually in the form of miracles. They're known as the brilliant or the shiny ones, and they are often associated with acts of heroism, uh, courage, and the like. They do incarnate. total percentage of angels uh, of this class on the ground are 5%, or it would be 50,000 out of that 1 million figure. If you've met a virtue, you would know it, uh, is the way that I would say this, because to be their mission is to be the light of the world. They are a powerful ins- inspiration to others and infect affect the environment and people in countless ways. They can often manifest miraculous things on behalf of others. Um, And these angels are actually God's perfect light in the world, leading the souls back home, which I thought was a beautiful visual that they gave me as we were putting uh, this together. And so these are those people that, you know, that people may go to for teachings uh, more as a guru as as a as a gentle light you know uh these are uh, people that might be viewed as as living breathing saints uh so you know a virtue uh angel if if you like i said if you meet one the next class uh are the dominions their job is to regulate the duties of other angels and ensure that god's wishes are carried out so this is their duty in the etheric world. They do incarnate. Uh, the total percentage is around 4% of the angels on the ground. And their primary mission, these these incarnates, is to create in structures that support the will of God. Uh, many new philanthropic organizations are being formed by dominions uh, that help provide hope for those who have nothing and to encourage others to be generous. So these are uh, sort of the righteous angels who um, inspire others to become generous um, and, and move through these missions of mercy. And so if you felt you were an incarnate and, and that's your primary mission and you're really gung-ho about it, then that's probably the kind that you are. The next are the thrones. And 
these uh, angels are actually quite fierce, uh, and they have the the duty and heaven of carrying out God's decisions. Um, so they don't incarnate, and um, it's just they are are their function is is just not compatible. We don't necessarily need thrones running around in human form. I guess is the way to say that. Um, and so they do not incarnate. The next is uh, the, the cherubim, and these uh, angels have always been known as the the guards to the gate of uh, gates of Eden. Um, and so, uh, in modern times, of course, we think of the cherubs, you know, little chubby babies with wings, but that's not really what this class of angel uh, is like. Um, but they do not incarnate because they still guard the gates of heaven um and so very very powerful and very very important uh type of angel um but again don't need any of them down here on the ground and the last but not least of of the angels are the seraphim these of course have been my team uh, for the last 14 15 years um who originally came to me and and I won't rehash my story. Many have heard it already listening to the show, um, and then there are certainly shows in my archives that talk about that. But these are angels of pure light, existing in a frequency the most close um, to God. Um, and you heard, you know, when I read my prologue, um, that it was uh, the, a seraph that volunteered to come first, even though their frequency would be the least compatible. Um, but they are considered to be those uh, angels who are, you know, are, are praise God, regulate uh, the energies of the heavens. Um, and luckily for us, do incarnate, but they are only 1% um, of the total ground force. And when they came to me 15 years ago, I, you know, as we were putting this show together, actually, it was quite interesting um, because all of the stuff kind of came full circle for me because the primary mission um, of the seraphs that are here is to ensure the success of God's plan on earth by giving witness to the angelic presence on earth and to raise the planet to much higher frequencies. They are also here to support the awakening of all incarnates and bring them together in order to bring heaven to earth. Um so that's a that's a beautiful message, and I'm such a blessed person to be involved in that mission. And um, again, very happy just to be doing this show. I've been wanting actually to talk about um, this topic for a while, but you know, since God gives the seraphim, you know, their direction, and then they, you know, they tell me when I can talk about stuff. So now is the time, all you wonderful uh, beings and incarnates out there that we're going to be really doing a lot more with this. And I'm, you know, assisting in that mission of bringing incarnates together, talking about this, helping to affirm those who have felt that they that they are, um, and and really just so that all of us, human and, and incarnates alike, can come together and change the world. Um, I've always said that I'm here to change the world ever since I was a little girl. So I guess, guess you all are involved in me uh, actually doing that. So 
I love all of you so much, and I and I love this show. So, so that's a little bit of uh, the background and uh, looking at those various, you know, and and it was interesting because it wasn't until about a year ago in my communications with my the Seraphim team was that I never really uh, saw. Or, or because I, I'm very visual and they often are projecting images, they never really sort of showed me all of the incarnates that there were. You know, they were just like, you're going to write this book, Angel Incarnate, and um, and it's an awakening novel. You know, it's activating. It's all these things. Um, and then when I finally finished the book, uh, some 14 years later, because I had to believe in myself, right, and I'll be talking about things that are pretty important, um, two incarnates here in the second part um, of the show, um, they lifted the veils. And I I tell you what, my breath, it it took my breath away because there were so many. And, you know, there, there, there are incarnates all over the world. And so many of them that I was just like, oh, my gosh, good, 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 good. And I was just, I was just ecstatic. And I think that to know that, you know, angels are as above and so below now is is an incredible gift um, from God. And so all you incarnates out there, all you human beings, you're all a gift to me and to the world from God. So so we're going to talk about uh, next. A couple of uh, areas that are kind of difficult for incarnates. You know, I was talking uh, before about as, you know, those frequencies become higher and higher, how hard it is. You can imagine it's kind of like trying to shove a, you think, shoving an angel into a human vessel. Um, So that it's really that energetic difference uh, between an angelic being and and a human soul that can have some things kind of occur that make it difficult um, for an angel to, to take a human body. And so, of course, the higher frequency, the, the harder it can be for that birth to, to occur. And it's actually not uncommon for genetic issues or health issues to occur um, because as you as the spark of life comes and genetic things align, sometimes those frequencies can cause things to kind of, well, for lack of a better way of saying it, go really wrong. Um, but um, I'll talk a little bit more about specific physical uh, issues a little further here in the show. And, of course, the other area would be emotional. And there are often emotional issues, depression, anxiety, all of these types of things for in- incarnates, especially because prior to becoming embodied, their existence was simply one. All is one, one is all. So the trauma of taking a human form coming into a world that is split in two can cause extreme mental challenges because at at that a subconscious level until an incarnate becomes awakened, um, there's difficulty trying to resolve that polarity uh, and reconcile that human world with the innate spiritual one. And so 
Um, but we'll get into you know some of those specific challenges, uh, like I said here a little bit later. So, so now I'm going to share, which is probably why a lot of you have have tuned in uh, to the show tonight. Things that are common characteristics of of incarnates, um, and if you kind of would put yourself in the in the shoes, um, and, or maybe in your own shoes as an incarnate. You know, a lot of these uh, characteristics make a lot of sense. But incarnates report that from the time that they were children, often feel like they just don't belong here. So it's just a sense that, you know, this world um, isn't theirs. And that general sense, you know, that they don't belong or somehow don't fit. So even though they got fit into human body, um, they they often feel that the earth is not their home, um, and they would be essentially right. Another characteristic of some incarnates is that they often have a, a spiritual calling early in life, and a lot of that can be dependent on you know the cultural or, or even religious practices of of their families that they're born into, which are carefully uh, chosen. Uh, but they they do report that they feel, you know, a calling early. As they get older, they can feel like they're always on the outside or report being out of sync with other people. Again, really trying to combat uh, feelings of isolation and loneliness. So that can be a real challenge uh, as as children. In fact, many report that their childhood uh, was uh, fraught with difficulty with other children. So they that other children may tease them, lash out at them, and, and so on. This is um, a very common attribute uh, growing up as an incarnate. The next thing common to all incarnates is that they are pure of heart. So you know those people who simply wouldn't harm a flea? <laughs> They're very pure of heart. Now likewise, it can be a, a very pure heart that is easily hurt, you know, because of the actions of other people. Incarnates often have abandonment issues. Okay? And the abandonment issue... Um, you know, you can always look back maybe to childhood or where abandonment actually occurred, but at the root of abandonment for incarnates is that duality and the separation from God. Okay, so because I feel, again, like they're marooned on this planet maybe and that they that, that this is not, you know, this is not their world. Many, um, depending on... Of course, the frequency transition from angelic being to human are born with uh, immune problems, genetic issues, uh, hypersensitivities to things, uh, you know, foods, all kinds of things. So, again, you know, from from birth can be some health challenges for incarnates because, again, of that that compatibility and transition. Many incarnates uh, report that they have always felt that 
even if they felt like they didn't belong here, that they had an important mission in their life. It's a predominant factor, and it's 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 interesting because it it's not just that um, um, they know they're on an important mission, but it may be held secretly for many many years, um, or you know not shared with anybody. But when, if you get them to talk about it, they've always felt like they were here on a mission, which would be true, right? But I think that the challenge can be is like if I'm on a mission, what is that mission, right? And we have a lot of people, you know searching and seeking, of course, uh, to find out what theirs is. And what the seraphim say about that is that the angel incarnate shouldn't necessarily focus on the mission because the mission will uh, naturally create, actually. They just need to focus on um, belief in themselves and some other stuff here that I'll get to in just a moment. For incarnates, people often tell them their whole life story because, you know, right after they meet them, because subconsciously they know that they can trust them, subconsciously they're reacting to the angelic being in them. So incarnates often have people, you know, five minutes into the first conversation tell them every single thing that's ever happened to them that was negative. That's a pretty common common thing to happen. Uh, incarnates are extremely sensitive to the energy of others, and this can be a challenge um, for them both physically and emotionally. Um, they can have a difficulty separating their own energies from the energies of other people around them, and that is because they have a deep empathy. And what I mean by a deep empathy is, again, at the core of an incarnate's being is you know, that, that grace and, and empathy. And so it can be a challenge, you know, depending on the incarnate, to, to be able to separate that out. And, and that can be a wounding area uh, for incarnates as well. And here's a here's a one that's uh, that I think uh, incarnates do take personally, and I understand why, but Incarnates typically have had a significant number of instances where they have been betrayed by close friends or family. And the reason that I wanted to bring that up um, is because a, a, a core thing about an incarnate is that they are there to um, open up windows of opportunity for healing in the people around them. And so as a divine mirror, that's how I always look at incarnates, they are a perfect divine mirror. Their energy resonates truth. So they can bring about these opportunities for healing in other people around them. But what happens if somebody chooses fear in that instance, right? Well, they can draw the unexpected negativity of others who don't understand that the feelings they are having is about their own woundedness. And so <clears throat> this is one of the primary uh, issues for incarnates to understand is that it's not because they're a bad person or that they've done anything wrong. It's just that that person didn't take advantage of that opportunity, essentially is it. Um, I used to say... Um, to someone, you know, that I called this sort of the uh, angel to some and demon to others paradox um, because you're 
either going to be that angel, that that breath of life for those that are ready, but you can you can draw the exact polar opposite. And why? Because this is a world based on polarity. And God gave everybody uh, free will, so free will uh, allows a person to choose whether or not they will take advantage of that that healing opportunity. Incarnates are, by nature, very generous with other people. They can have issues with unworthiness because the human experience can sometimes feel like they've been cast out of heaven or that God is punishing them. So in the past, in your life, if you thought, what did I do wrong, God? Oh, my goodness. Um, That's a common thing uh, to occur in incarnates when life becomes difficult or um, that they don't—they haven't healed sufficiently to to understand and accept the human part of their experiences. Um, incarnates can also have emotional disturbances. Um, I mentioned that earlier, um, but specifically those that cause them to swing, um, you know, from polar opposites. So incarnates uh, who haven't reached uh, sort of their uh, what I call their homeostasis point, you know, of balance, have very high highs and can have very low lows. And a lot of times not even know what they're going to get. <laughs> and and sometimes there can be a little in between until enough of uh, the angelic frequencies embodied in their body. Um, and that's just because the world's a polarity. And uh, incarnates don't uh, navigate polarity very well not inherent to the incarnate's nature um, and something that, again, is a, a big challenge because they come from an existence where everything is just one. It's just just one. Um, incarnates can go back and forth during their entire life between feelings of, so again, this polarity becoming present, completely exiled from God to feeling completely one with God, you know, going throughout their life um, sometimes extremely connected, other times not. Um, that can become, a, a again, navigating polarity and why we're going to be doing these specific incarnate uh, calls uh, because uh, I'm supposed to train and, and, and help with uh, navigating the polarity and, and reaching that balance point. So I'm excited about helping as many who want to be on these calls uh, to do that. Um Many uh, may have uh, a parent or parents that are very critical uh, or abusive, no matter what, or that leaves in, in their lifetime. Um, this is, again, sort of that divine mirror, but only to the nth degree, because that's the parent um, that brought you into the world, but it's because the parent's not awakened enough, won't deal with their own issues, that they become almost uh, jealous, okay, of the incarnate. And so any incarnates who have parent issues out there, it is not about you guys, uh, that this person is is refusing their own healing opportunity, um, but that can be it can be a challenge for some incarnates. Um, others, you know, have blissful childhoods. Um, it seems to kind of be one or the other with incarnates. You know, they either have a lot of uh, issues or, you know, there's balance and the whole family, you know, grows as the incarnate grows up. 
And so, um, you know, as incarnates can draw, you know, this negativity out of others, um, it's important that they do not uh, take responsibility for another person's pain um, because it's not, you know, it's not about them. But I'll, I'll tell you what, when you're a very loving, giving person out there, it's going to be easy to take these things personally um, that are going on, right? Because that's how we are taught growing up to, you know, to externalize everything. Um, and so we look at the world sort of as that reflection, right, of of who we are. And so that can be, that can be, uh, you know, a, a challenge as well. And here's the last thing, though. I could have just kept going on and on and again. I'm going to be expanding on these topics in the future. This was uh, starting this summer. Incarnates can change jobs or occupations often. And the reason for this is that even though they ultimately can be that incarnate anywhere, the mission in the drive in them to, to find the mission can be so <laughs> paramount that they are constantly looking for that ultimate path, right? The right one, okay, So, um, which they will fear they may not find. So it can create a restlessness. And, and this is very true, especially now, with as the, the Earth's frequencies are raising, going up, that feeling, you know, that, that resonance or that activation of the mission becomes very, um, very much finding that ultimate path. And again, what I want to reiterate that the seraphim say is that you're already on the mission, so there's no no need to to find it. It finds you wherever you are. So much of what they've talked about about self care being present in the moment these last year or so is true for everyone, but especially for incarnates, um, because we you know they can miss the point <laughs> or feel like they won't arrive, and that's just feel, feel a lot of fear dealing with you know possible failure, feeling like they're going to fail. I always tell people you cannot possibly uh, fail at your purpose. Um, <laughs> but as as humans, we don't always we don't always agree with that statement. Okay. So I want to take a little bit of time before, and I see this show's going by as quickly as I had anticipated. So much to share. Um, but healing and health challenges for incarnates. So there's a few points that I want to speak to about this. And then I'm going to specifically talk about two primary core issues of healing for incarnates that are absolutely required uh, to reach that, what I call that homeostasis point or balance point. So healing in general, when, you know, the incarnate approaches being healing, um, recovering from traumas and so forth, it can be difficult for them because they may not respond the same as others do to various methods of healing. So let's say that all of your friends are talking about this particular energetic healer, and you're like, "Wow, I'm going to go try this healer out." You know, um, you may have a, a reverse reaction or an unusual reaction to to the work that they're doing, and so that can lead you to feel pretty discouraged about being able to heal, and they can, you know, they can feel like they're failing. They're not really okay. Um, incarnates need to listen to their intuition when working with healers. And be patient to find the right person. 
how much an incarnate resonates with the person doing healing is extremely important for an incarnate who is ex- very sensitive. Um, and so part of the issue is the way they're, they're, the, an incarnate's human body holds the frequencies of their angelic self. So moving too much energy too quickly, um, other processes that might work for others don't work and can result actually in major healing crises or spiritual emergency. Ultimately, incarnates have all the you know wisdom that they need um, if it's uncovered. So just you know, definitely not saying don't seek healing, but but be wise about about that. And even if somebody's raving, if you just don't feel like something is um, applicable to you, it's just probably not in this case. So there are. Three primary that I'm aware of, and this may change, uh, and this, again, is an overview, health challenges that incarnates are to routinely face, and they fall into several categories here, and and why. Um, The first being neurological disorders, uh, some type of dysfunction of the nervous system because as they awaken, uh, the body actually has to adapt or evolve in order to accommodate their light essence, okay? So even things, uh, you know, examples of this would be headaches, migraines, MS or MS-like symptoms, unusual numbness, tingling, uh, and, you know, your, your neurological system is the way the body passes information. So it's helpful for incarnates, actually, to eat healthy for the the nervous system. Um, If you're in a huge surge of awakening, uh, very important perhaps to supplement um, with good things that support balance in the nervous system. Um, But it's a very common health challenge, um, as well as uh, this next one, which is uh, chronic pain disorders. And this is caused by an overreaction of the nervous system. And so these are typically caused by what I call a dissonance or a divide between the incarnate's angelic self and a rejection or non-acceptance of the human experience at a subconscious level. So a severe example would be fibromyalgia, but a less severe manifestation might be uh, frequent pain in the spine, uh, typically the neck because the the energy that awakens at the base of the spine, the kundalini, um, can be very fierce, very powerful, and and knock the neck out of alignment. So I'm often recommending to incarnates about uh, going to see a chiropractor, actually, because it's a good self-care thing uh, to keep all of that spine in, in proper alignment. But it, it's very common for, like, the upper uh, vertebrae to become uh, torqued or, or shifted. And so... Uh, incarnates actually ex- often experience uh, pretty frequent pain um, in their body as as a result, um, some of which is the non-acceptance. The other kind of applies with the neurological issues because of the nervous system needing to carry those frequencies. The third area I wanted to touch on um, is autoimmune issues. And as I understand it, the reason incarnates can get autoimmune problems um, is primarily related to issues of unworthiness or feeling cast out of heaven, which can lead to 
overreactions of the immune system from minor to severe because of a a self-rejection that's created. So it's kind of like yourself attacking yourself, okay? And so a severe example of this particular, you know, issue would be lupus. I know I have a lot of uh a lot of friends out there, a lot of listeners um who are dealing with lupus. Uh, one of my very 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 uh dear friends as well. Uh but lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, um things where the body's become you know, it it attacks itself. Okay. So these are very difficult or challenging. Um, so, and, and the reason I want to talk about health challenges too is so that incarnates are aware as well as, uh, incarnates understand that, um, their bodies aren't often, um, an easy thing to deal with at times. Um, but once again, uh, an incarnate can reach that point of, of balance, um, a lot of those things may fall away. Um, People, you know, incarnates can have them throughout their lifetime as well. Um, But those are the the primary ones. And and so overall it's very important um, that incarnates not only embrace uh, their true essence, but also their human vessel as such a gift and care for it diligently. This is true not only of incarnates, of course, but everybody else. You know, the, the body is a vessel for the human soul, uh, the incarnate angels, and again, that's why the the seraphim each week often emphasize slowing down, self-care. Um, incarnates have an inherent ability to heal themselves if they're fully present and heal others, of course. Um, and so, especially with as intense as this particular year has been, um, for everybody that's listening, incarnate or otherwise, we really are getting these very strong messages, aren't we, that we need to slow down, that we need to stay in balance, and it makes it a whole lot easier to, to navigate uh, our life experiences that way. So, And so the last thing I want to cover, looks like we're getting into the last five minutes of the show already. And I see lots of people in the chat room, so I want to say hi. Oh, and I want to say hi to uh, an incarnate Marissa, and uh, hopefully she's listening. I love you. <laughs> anyway, I don't know why that popped in my mind, so I'm going to say that. And everybody else out there, uh, you know I love you as well. But the two most, these are two primary issues that that have to be healed for an incarnate. Because as the incarnate awakens, it's it's like you could think of uh, from from the ground up, you know, that all the way up to heaven, the incarnate's energy, you know, is touching there. And so uh, the way the seraphim talk about it, they call it landing, okay? And so for more and more of that energy to come into the phys- uh, physical body, more and more energy um, to become embodied, you know, to come down and be present in this vessel, um, two important issues must be healed. The very first and most primary is separation from God. This really is, uh, guys, the, the heartbreak of all incarnates once they arrive on the planet. The human experience can make absolutely no sense, and they often feel as if 
the life as punishment for wrongdoing, um, especially if they're drawing all that negativity, you know, and transmuting it uh, in the people around them, as I've been talking about, that mirror effect. Um, but one of the essential, you know, of course, so understanding that, obviously, uh, in a human body, you're not ever separate from source, from God. Um, and so really having belief in that, of course. But there's a little little piece I want to mention, too, is that a major component or part of that healing requires that the incarnate forgive themselves for either being angry with God or turning away from God during any time that they have been human. And this can become the reason they do not reconcile the separation issue. I don't know about anybody else, but yeah, there's times that I just like totally turn my back <laughs> because I didn't understand and life was getting difficult or whatever. And so must be able to forgive um, themselves for that, um, turning away. God doesn't care. <laughs> God, God loves always, and there's no way uh, that anybody can be less than in the eyes of God. Um, but it's what we believe that matters, right? Okay, so the second um, important thing is faith. And I would put belief in there too. Um, but faith is a much stronger word for the incarnate because becoming fully embodied and becoming all that an incarnate can be relies on their full faith in God and thus in themselves. And only, this is what the seraphim say, only with faith can the incarnate angel's grace, God's grace, become fully manifest through them and be expressed into their life, into their world. Um, and so faith is an absolute requirement um, for the incarnates and that reconciliation of the separation from from home, from God. And, and, and so those are the two most important um, issues that are required for incarnates to heal in order to get on to their mission. And it looks like we're down to the last couple minutes here. So, as always, it flew by, and thank you so much for sharing this time with me to talk uh, to hear me talk about the incarnate angels. I invite emails about this subject, reaching out. I love to hear from incarnates, uh, cj at cjmartis. Dot com, so you can always uh, introduce yourself. I'll make sure you get on these lists for these calls that are coming up that are going to be very, very helpful uh, for healing. And for anybody, also, these transmissions of the seraphim are going to be extremely powerful. And the first one's coming up on June 11th. And there'll be some information uh, sent out about that. And next, uh, next week I'll be rebroadcasting, but there will be an angel message I'll post. Uh, the share, uh, show that was wonderful that aired uh, actually in April, uh, Mary Magdalene Beckins joined the River of Love. I had such an incredible time with Mercedes on that show. If you missed it uh, before, it's definitely uh, one you want to want to tune in for. Um, and so after that, I'll be inviting a wonderful man named Tom T. Moore to talk about The Gentle Way, a, a self-help guide for those who believe in angels. So I am just thrilled to be having him on. So I hope that you all have a wonderful weekend. I'll be back live in two weeks. And so remember, my friends, until next time, 
Remember to be angelic to yourself so that you can become an angel to others. I love you all. Take care and have a wonderful week.